Welcome to the HCI Family of Podcasts, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We share our own original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. Join us for practitioner-oriented content around all things leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with the HCI family of podcasts. Talking about transferability of skills and capabilities in the shifting future of work is something I really love talking about um, because we all are are facing this. We're all having to deal with uh, a rapidly shifting landscape, uh, and and the reality is there's just tons of disruption in the world around us, and and certainly there's there's disruption in terms of technological disruptions, um, and and we'll talk about some of those. But we also need to keep in mind that there's, you know, socio-cultural, socio-economic, and geopolitical disruptions as well. Um, it's a volatile time that we're in, and and just the nature of society and 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 societal sentiment is shifting, along with uh, people's attitudes around work and their values associated with work. Uh, not to mention the the nature of work itself and how jobs are designed and the types of tasks and roles that people are going to be able to are going to need to be able to do uh, in the future to be successful. So that's really what I want to dive into today is is to think through and to talk about um, some of the various um, skills that are going to be needed amidst all of this disruption. Uh, I'll try to go through this agenda generally, but I'm also willing to to be more flexible. So if, if we want to go in a different direction or if you have questions, uh, please let me know and we we can adapt. I want to start off by talking about disruptive innovations and human resources and leadership within organizations generally, talk about some predictions for the future organization and, and what leaders need to be thinking about, you know, in relation to future organizations and future work. What does all this mean for workers? So what does work look like amidst these changes and the types of skills, competencies, and capabilities that they're going to need to be able to have? And what does this mean for organizational leaders and how can they be successful moving into the future? I wanted to start by sharing this graphic. Uh, this comes from the Institute for the Future and uh, they, they put out these reports. This one now is a couple years old, but I think the, the, uh, the future work skills. Oh, I wanted to just quickly talk through um, some of these drivers of change, which you see on the outer edge, all these bigger bubbles these are the things that are really pressing on society as a whole and as on organizations that are forcing change. Uh, we'll talk through those very quickly, but then I want to spend most of the time talking about all the smaller bubbles inside. Uh, those are the skills needed for the future of work, and these are the types of things that people are going to need to be able to do to be relevant and successful in their current jobs, certainly, but in the future jobs as well. So in terms of these drivers of change, we have extreme longevity. People are just living longer. They're staying healthy longer. Their work life is longer. Uh, now we're talking about careers that aren't 
just 40 year careers, but we're talking about the 60 year career. And what does that mean for people, you know, like you, your students, and you're going to university and you leave university to go into the workforce, you're probably not looking at 40 years in the workforce. You're probably looking at 60 plus years. Um, that probably means you're going to have even more transitions uh, throughout your career, doing different types of jobs in different industries, perhaps even entirely different careers that you experience during that 60 plus year period. So extreme longevity uh, has huge implications for society as a whole, but also for organizations and how we manage um, intergenerational te uh, teams of people. Even right now at this moment, we have some lingering um, people from the greatest generation, you know, that it's often called um, baby boomers, Gen X, millennial, Gen Z. We have all of these uh, generations simultaneously working together in the workforce, and that's only going to expand over time. We're going to see more of that. We're going to see uh, more generations of people trying to work successfully together. Uh, and there are a lot of, of challenges associated with that. You all know that we're in an increasingly computational world. Um, there's sensors everywhere. We're all, most of us are carrying around in our pockets, a cell phone that has, you know, sensors constantly monitoring what we're doing, what we're saying, what we're searching on the internet, the apps that we use, all of this produces data that then is tracked and utilized by different companies. Um, this has implications for the work that we do. Uh, there are super structured organizations. So multinational organizations, conglomerates, that's not new. Um, but this idea of, of superstructured organizations um, is, is a bit of a new thing in the 21st century uh, that we're still trying to grapple with. We live in an increasingly globally interconnected world, um, just like we're able to join right now over Zoom to have this conversation and, and for me to share some thoughts and insights with you and to answer your questions. This is something that we were capable of doing, you know, before the pandemic, but it's not something that most people did do before the pandemic. And so more people have been uh, leveraging the technologies available to break down silos, break down barriers, and to have more globally interconnected business, uh, working with clients, et cetera. Uh, so that's, that has huge implications around distributed workforces, um, contingent workforce, and, and all that kind of stuff. New media ecology, this refers to uh, new media literacies that are going to be important uh, because there's constantly new platforms being released. There's new tools being released, and we need to know how to engage with them effectively. Uh, take, for example, an app like TikTok. Just a few years ago, it was predominantly an app that kids use to dance, uh, and it still has that purpose, but it is widely adopted now as a, a primary media source for a lot of people across generations. And it's not just for dancing. It's there's silly stuff that happens on TikTok and silly memes and, and videos, but there's lots of engaging conversations. A lot of people are getting their news from TikTok. There's educational courses. There's so many things that are there that if we're not staying on top of these new things, certainly as businesses, we're not leveraging the capabilities of these new platforms and we're falling behind and becoming irrelevant. Uh, and then the rise of smart machines and systems. So any sort of automation, advanced robotics, um, AI, of course, ChatGPT, um, BARD, any of these AI tools, Dolly, um, there have been a, 
uh, proliferation of, of AI tools and automation tools and advanced robotics just in recent years, uh, we've seen kind of exponential growth in terms of the capabilities. And this has huge implications for how work is designed, um, how labor demand issues, all of those sorts of things, okay? So we could go into great depth on all of that, but I'm gonna just leave it there at kind of a, a surface level. Um, all of this then is impacting really what we're seeing employers are saying are those skills that are gonna be needed uh, in, a, in a rapidly changing world. We need increased sense-making. We need novel and adaptive thinking. We need higher levels of social intelligence. I already kind of got into the new media literacy a bit when I was talking about new media ecology, but we need constant uh, upskilling around our new media literacy, uh, computational thinking. Even if I'm not a coder, even if I'm not a analytics person, um, I need to know how to, to, to interface with data. I need to know how to interface with technology. I need to learn how to leverage tools like ChatGPT or other generative AI and large learning models, all of that. Um, because we're in super structured organizations and increasingly interconnected globalized marketplace, our cognitive load management is essential. We need people with a big bandwidth, people who can juggle a lot of things, people who can manage diverse teams uh, and, and all the complexities associated with that. And that is a skill set that can be developed, uh, but it's not one that comes naturally to most people. We need increased cross-cultural competencies because we're going to be working across cultures, cultures in terms of geographic differences and, and, and nationality differences, but cultural differences across um, generational lifespan, uh, across socioeconomic status, people from all different backgrounds, um, worldviews and mindsets that we are gonna need to learn how to work with effectively. So cross-cultural competency is more important than it's ever been. We're gonna have to learn how to virtually collaborate even more effectively than what we do now. I, I, there's been big strides in this. I think we're better at it today than we were three years ago, but there's so much more that we can do around virtual collaboration. And with the rapid advancement of technology, there are gonna be things we can do two years, five years from now that we're not, that we can't do now um, to enhance our virtual collaboration. All of this then comes down to, can we have a systems mindset? Can we have a design mindset? Can we, uh, can we look at the end user experience, whether that's a customer experience, whether that's an employee experience, and make sure that the holistic experience of, of that individual is a positive one where they want to continue to engage with our company. Uh, and if we can, great, we're gonna win in the marketplace. If we can't, we're gonna really struggle to remain relevant, uh, to, remain, to, to retain market share, and to really add value to the marketplace, both, both the consumer marketplace, but also the labor marketplace to attract and retain great people. And finally, I just wanted to mention this transdisciplinarity. Um, sometimes we've referred to this as interdisciplinarity um, or multidisciplinarity. But the main idea here is the ability for people to break down silos, the ability for people to get out of their own specific technical expertise um, and their own experience and look holistically across the organization to take a systems perspective around all the levers impacting all the inputs, impacting all the outputs uh, of what we're trying to accomplish. And that is a competency and skill set area that a lot of people don't have uh, that we're going to need to develop 
uh, in order to navigate an increasingly complex world uh, that we're in. All right, before I move on, any questions um, about that before we talk more about disruptive innovations um, that are facing the world of work? Seems like we don't have any question now. Okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll move on, no problem. Continue. Okay. Yeah, I'll move on, no problem. All right, so I, I did want to talk about a series of disruptions. Now, there are a lot of different types of disruptions. We could we could highlight a bunch of diff different technological disruptions, for example. I'm just going to hit on a few. I've already mentioned artificial intelligence. Um, this is a big one. We've all been experiencing this. It's already transforming uh, work in a variety of ways. Certainly from an HR perspective, um, we, we're able to automate routine tasks. Um, we can do things more efficiently, but there are ethical concerns around how we utilize AI as well. And it can be used across any business functional area, marketing, operations, uh, accounting, finance, like every single functional area has ways that it can leverage artificial intelligence to be become more effective and efficient and to automate routine tasks. Um, artificial intelligence still isn't great, you know, at, at the more human elements. It, 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 you know, in terms of judgment, in terms of, of uh, the creative uh, components. And that's where humans can really utilize AI to augment their capabilities, to expand um, you know, how they process information so that I can be more productive in the things that are more human um, in terms of the skill sets that I have. Some of those that I just mentioned on the last slide um, around those, those um, skills needed for the future of work. Uh, so let's learn how to leverage AI and, and be, be open to experimentation, I, I think is really important. There's so many AI tools out there uh, that we can't possibly stay on top of them. And it seems like I try to stay on top of a lot of them because this is an area that I do a lot of work in. Um, and But there's like sometimes a week will go by and there'll be a dozen new tools that have emerged that people can use. And it's just not reasonable for us to be able to stay on top of every last tool that comes out. But try to monitor the landscape, be relatively aware of the tools that are available and experiment and, and carve out some time where you can just play around with these new tools to see what might make sense for you to utilize in your job. Another area that I think is a huge shift is, is around the gig economy. Um, now this is facilitated by technological advances. And so we have platforms like Upwork that allow people to, to interface uh, with, with potential customers and clients from all over the world via a simple web interface and 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 do gig work, do consulting work. Of course, there are platforms like like um, like Uber and Lyft and Airbnb and and a, a whole slew of different types of gig work that have really um, grown dramatically in the last decade due to technological advancements, new apps, and new web capabilities. Uh, so think about what this means for. The workplace, not just your own personal ability to maybe do a side hustle and earn a little bit of money on the side in addition to your your main job, or maybe your your gig work is your main job. Um, but with the rise of the gig economy, people are thinking differently about 
work. They're thinking differently about their priorities. And we know that younger workers, younger millennial and Gen Z workers in particular, they are leaning heavily towards more flexibility. They're, le they're leaning heavily towards, um, towards their own side hustles, like having more autonomy to be able to make decisions around what they do. And, and they don't necessarily buy into some of the values of previous generations. And so they may have been willing, you know, previous generations may have been willing to go work for a company and slog and, and really put in time, you know, five, 10, even 20 years into a career to start to see some movement and success. Younger workers, you know, they, they, they don't have that same priority. Uh, they don't have the same consumption habits uh, as, as older generations, uh, in part, you know, informed by economic realities. And because of all of that, gig economy um, is growing re remarkably. Uh, gig, the gig economy is not new. It's been around since the foundations of, of any economic system. Um, people have been doing gig work, uh, but the number of people engaged in gig work has grown dramatically. This is actually, uh, I, I think, a good thing for organizations because if I'm a company, if I'm an employer, and I'm open to, to my people doing side hustles and gig work on the side, um, that can actually enhance the work they do for my business. Uh, they can, it can, it can break down the silos. It can help them think more interdisciplinary from a more interdisciplinary perspective, as we talked about earlier. Um, they, they, there can be kind of a bleed in effect of them doing creative stuff on the side and their side hustle and how that then informs the work they do for your company. So it really, it means organizations need to be thinking differently about the labor market because the gig economy shifts that. It also means they need to be thinking about how we can leverage the, the, the outside gig work that people do to inform cool stuff that we can do within our organization. Um, really quickly, oh, there's one question from Carlos. Any ideas how to help older generations to get in touch with technology? Uh, that's a really good question. And I think um, maybe as I move into the next point, I, I can address that a little bit more. So one, one of the things, I kind of mentioned this in relation to virtual collaboration earlier, that's a really important skill set. And virtual and augmented reality is, is an, uh, an existing but continually developing and emerging technology um, that's allowing us to collaborate in new and interesting ways. And in the next few years, I can only imagine uh, what will be capable. Um, you know, from an augmented reality standpoint, imagine like instead of me just being here on the screen with you, um, sharing some information, imagine we have an augmented reality setup where it can feel like, you know, virtual presence, where it can feel like we're in this room together having a conversation not just behind a screen. That's not that far off for us to be able to get there. Um, and, and so this is just another example of technologies that could dramatically shift a lot of things. Think about the amount of, of travel that people undergo. That's already changed just with virtual collaboration over the last three years. But if we get to the point where we can have a sense of a meaningful interpersonal interaction and collaboration via virtual and augmented reality and virtual presence. Uh, it's a game changer. You know, when all the conversations that we're having around virtual work, hybrid work, it shifts 
because we can do so much more with the benefits of in-person interactions, but do it remotely, do it virtually. Um, so the question again, how do we uh, help those who may be resistant to technological changes? It's a hard thing. And I, I would say generally, just like anyone who's resistant to anything, whether it's technology or it's their like social attitudes or whatever, um, the best thing you can do is give them opportunities to experience something new. Uh, so if it's virtual and augmented reality, have, you know, have sessions where you can share equipment and, and give them an, an opportunity to experience it. If we're talking about um, uh, experience with things like ChatGPT or other uh, AI, uh, and, and people, some some perhaps older people are are less willing to engage with it. Hold some training sessions, like have some have some um, some team meetings where you just spend some time uh, doing like you know uh, AI related, Chat GPT related scavenger hunts to try to see just just to prime the pump, just so people can have a little bit of a taste of what it's like to experience it. And we know, for example, in terms of diversity, we know with like racial, ethnic diversity, um, gender diversity, uh, socioeconomic diversity, et cetera, that when people are resistant to change, when people are, you know, they have their their biases or they have their um, uh, they have their 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 areas of discrimination or whatever, and their areas of resistance, that the number one way to help break those down is to just help people have an experience with the difference that they're struggling with. So if it's if it's a matter of, you know, me, you know, let's say I I you know, I struggle to work effectively with women, for example. Okay? Give me an opportunity to have some positive wins and experience working with women. If I struggle um, you know, and I have attitudes around LGBTQIA+ individuals and I, you know, I have um uh, prejudices against them. Uh, give me an opportunity to work with them. And that's going to break, that's going to do more faster to break down my resistance, to break down barriers and to help reshape my thinking and my values than just sending me an article to read or having me attend a training or whatever. Uh, I think the same thing applies when we're talking about technology and embracing technology. Uh, another one I wanted to just mention briefly is blockchain. Um, this, this has implications potential implications for a lot of industries, uh, for a lot of types of jobs and work. Um, again, just another example of, of the types of technologies that could potentially reshape the, the uh, careers and jobs and the way we do the work that we do. All right, so what does this all mean for the future organizations? Um, first, I wanna talk just a little bit about the rise of remote work. And when I say remote work, uh, I include in their hybrid. So anything um, where we're not just physically in the office together, um, there is a clear movement towards um, finding ways for increased flexibility and to and, and access and accommodation for people from a variety of different backgrounds, uh, personal family um, circumstances, and, and remote work is here to stay. Uh, there are lots of employers that after you know, as we kind of moved out of the, the worst of the pandemic, that they started to put in place um, back to office policies, saying everyone needs to come back to work. Um, 
there, there's certainly been plenty of that. And I think that is fueled out of, um, you know, a level of uh, fear, frankly, um, perhaps even some distrust of employees. I think the reality is uh, we need to find effective ways to manage remote teams uh, because it's going to become increasingly common for us to have remote teams. And so I, as a leader, whether I'm a young leader, a more experienced, older leader, um, I need to become comfortable with a distributed workforce. There's a lot of benefits to distributed workforce. Um, just from a, a diversity, equity, and inclusion perspective, when we have distributed teams, we, we can have more diversity in our teams. We can have people from all over the world, even, as a part of our team, uh, if we can leverage effectively remote collaboration technologies. Oriana, did you have a question? No? Okay. Oh, it looks like there's another another comment. Let me go into the chat. Uh, in what ways can organizations proactively facilitate the transferability of skills among their employees to ensure a smooth transition uh, in the dynamic future of work? Great, fantastic question. Um, again, referring you back to that first early slide uh, with the drivers of change and those, those key skills, these are all skills that you may have noticed aren't specific to any particular functional area of a business. Um, they're kind of they're kind of career and position agnostic. Uh, they they all are just inc incredibly important in pretty much any job. So when we think about transferability, you know, I think about um, I think about sometimes what we call the soft skills um, that people need to have or the human skills that people need to have, remember that most things um, that can be automated, the routine repetitive tasks, most things that can be automated will be automated by AI, by robotics or whatever. And so transferable skills are those human skills, those soft skills, those durable skills that are gonna stick with us and that will allow us to be successful in any job. Um, how do we go about transferring those skills? One, we have to develop them in the first place. And I think there's a lot of people that don't have those skills, frankly. Um, sorry, another comment. Power service on campus will be suspended at two. So that, that means we need to finish up in 15 minutes. Is that what I'm understanding from that comment? <laughs> yes, it's something like that. <laughs> but we okay. have to, you can continue. And then we will have more questions. Don't worry. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll wrap up my presentation and just open it up for questions here in just a minute. Um, so think about how to develop the skills in the first place. As organizational leaders, think about how you support your people in developing the skills. Um, and, and then we need to, to do better in organizations about creating um, diverse career pathways within our organizations. Uh, the labor market is tight in many professional areas, in many industries, and in many types of careers. Many skill sets um, are, you know, we're, we have skills gaps. And so it's not easy to find good people. Uh, we can't afford, organizations cannot afford to just let good people go uh, and then hope that they can find good people with the new skill sets. We need to reskill and upskill our people. And we need to help people understand that even if 
maybe they their career has been in marketing up to this point, but there's an opening in HR and they want an opportunity for advancement. You know, we need to find ways to facilitate that kind of a move so that they can take their skills that have helped them be successful in marketing and transfer over into a, a, a new environment where they're going to have to learn new technical skills in HR, but that they can apply so much of what they already know. And th those are the transferable skills. Many workers don't feel like they can make that move. Many organizations don't really facilitate or allow for those moves to be made. So organizations and leaders, I think, can do a lot to help facilitate and um, and, and help people think about the, the range of options and opportunities. Um, just really quickly, I'll, I'll run through a couple of these, these changes. Uh, the rise of remote work, as I mentioned, greater use of predictive analytics. We're, we're a data-driven um, world now, and business is increasingly data-driven. Uh, continued emphasis on skills development and an increased uh, focus on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. So what does all of this mean for workers? We need to embrace lifelong learning. And I think this in part comes back to that last question. Embrace lifelong learning. Help people recognize and understand that it's not just going to university and getting a degree and then going into your career but you will literally be learning constantly on the job every day, not to mention occasionally reskilling and upskilling and perhaps even pivoting to new career opportunities, develop those transferable skills that will help you be successful and then be willing to engage in professional development and lifelong learning that will allow you to develop the technical knowledge and skills to be successful. Uh, and it, there's an increased movement towards prioritizing work-life integration, work-life balance, um, and younger generations are just valuing that more and prioritizing that more. We need to embrace new technologies. For organizational leaders, this means fostering a culture of learning, working on flexibility and creating flexible jobs, whether that is flexibility in a face-to-face -face physical workspace or flexibility via remote options or hybrid options, uh, flexibility around schedules. People want more flexibility. And if we can't offer it, they're going to go somewhere else. And overall, an increased focus on employee experience. We need to make sure that from the time people are applying for jobs to interviewing, to being onboarded, to being, you know, their ongoing training and development and performance management and all the different things they do in their experience with the organization, we need to focus on making sure that those are good experiences. That's where design thinking comes in. If we're going to design really great employee experience, we have to think about the end user. We have to think about the employee and we have to help them have that positive experience. I think the organizations of the future that are relevant, that are successful are the ones that will do this well. They'll have um, an increased focus on employee experience. They'll help focus people around um, constant continual learning and, and provide more flexible pathways both in, in the day-to-day -day work, but also in the career trajectory of, um, of the workers in their organization. All right, with that, I'm going to end uh, my formal presentation and just leave whatever time we have remaining for questions. And my email is here at the bottom. So if you wanna contact me directly, feel free. Um, I'll stop sharing my screen now and just, yeah, any, any questions? Um, let's see. In the chat, we have a question. How can we foster yes. a culture of lifelong learning? 
uh, adaptability among workers to help them navigate the changing demands of the labor market. Uh, it starts with leading by example, honestly. Uh, if I want to foster a culture of learning for my team, I have to carve out space for them to learn uh, and, and to grow and to have those professional development um, and career development opportunities. They need to look to me and see my example. They need to see that I am actively engaged in continually learning. They need to see that I prioritize it and that I reward it. Um, so I need to highlight it, you know, in team meetings. I need to, you know, share what I've been learning recently, uh, some of the new aha moments I'm having and encourage them to share. Uh, that, I think those are some of the best, easy, cheap, even free ways that we can foster a culture of, of learning within our teams, that people just start to realize that, yes, it's not just something, it's not just a slogan, it's not just a phrase that we say lifelong learning is important. I don't know anyone who would say lifelong learning is not important. Everyone thinks it's important, but very few organizations and very few leaders really prioritize it and make it an emphasis um, and, and hold people accountable for, uh, for continuing to learn and grow and develop. So I need to support my team, uh, provide an example of lifelong learning for them, support them in doing it themselves, create opportunities for them to share, and, and then hold them accountable for it. Um, good, great question. Uh, we could go into more depth on that one too, but I'll, I'll stop there for now. Other thoughts or questions? I think we have time for one more question. We have a problem in the campus. The power service uh, will be suspended at two o'clock. I'm so sorry about this. So no we have to hurry up with this. We had an accident. I don't know if my students have another question. Yes. Um, yes. We have another comment here. I think so. Uh, what role can technology play in facilitating um, the transferability of skills and capabilities, such as through online learning platforms and skill assessment tools? Great question. Yeah, there, there, are, there's not a shortage of training programs, of learning apps, uh, of learning assessment tools. Many of them are free. Um, so there, you know, there are ones you can pay a ton of money for, but there are a lot that are completely free. And so if your organization has a tight budget, if they don't have the ability to, um, you know, to put a lot of money into, um, you know, into some new training initiative, look at what's out there and what's there for free, whether it's LinkedIn learning, that's relatively cheap with subscriptions or free, free content on YouTube. Or like I mentioned earlier, TikTok even has really great, uh, increasingly a wide variety of really great learning and development and training resources uh, in, in short bite-sized chunks. Um, places like Coursera or edX that have really great holistic certificates and programs that people can do um, to develop skills. Uh, there, are, there are just so many things that um, you can do that oftentimes are free or, or very cheap um, so that uh, you know, just learn to utilize them, learn to leverage them and, and make your people aware of them, I think. Uh, another question, what are the most relevant power skills for future jobs and how can individuals acquire them to thrive in a constantly evolving work environment? Um, 
I, I would say that the skills I highlighted earlier, I think those are the most important skills, especially in an automated society, in an in a automated workplace where we have robotics or AI or various uh, technological tools doing the, the repetitive work. Uh, we're just not going to need people to do that work much anymore. Uh, we'll need people with the technical expertise, technical expertise to know how to interface with the AI or the robotics, to know how to train them and 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 monitor them and quality control and all of those things. But we're not going to need people who day in and day out are doing all of the nitty gritty repetitive tasks. And so we need people with those durable skills that I highlighted earlier in the presentation. Those are the human skills. Those are the things that are not easily replicable by technology. Um, and those are the things that people are going to need to be able to do to move into the future of work. Um, perhaps the last question, or it looks like two more, uh, what are the challenges and opportunities associated with the transferability of skills in the future of work? Uh, I think it's already been highlighted a bit in relation to some of the other questions and in relation to some of the drivers of change that I highlighted earlier that, um, you know, that the challenges are also the opportunities. If we can recognize that, yes, there's going to be resistance to adoption of new technology. Um, there always is resistance to change. So that, that may be the biggest challenge, you know, facing uh, workplaces and facing leaders. Um, but if we can be open to change and we can be open to being agile in our approach to how we lead our teams, uh, if, if leaders who are very experienced and have been very successful in the past using a particular model of leadership can be open to adjusting their style of leadership towards more inclusive, remote, hybrid work, and, and the utilization of technologies, I think that can help with the transferability of skills. And we really need to get out of like the tr traditional kind of linear career ladder model of career development and get into more like multiple diverse pathways towards evolving your career over time. I think that's very important. Uh, last question, how in a country like Colombia can we present these technologies to people who do not believe in the power of technology and world of connection? I'll just come back to what I said earlier. Get, try to find opportunities to give people experience with it. Um, give people the opportunity to have even small wins with the technology. Design um, interactive exhibits. Design interactive um, experiences with, within your teams. If that means you have an older member of the workforce who's really re uh, resistant and they don't want to engage, have an opportunity, like create an environment and an opportunity where they kind of have to engage and experience it and have success. Um, and if they can have small wins, you can start to develop and build on those small wins to build momentum, to find future success. Um, with that, I think I probably need to be done before your power goes <laughs> up. So thank you so much. It was just really a pleasure. Um, I encourage you to reach out and get in touch if you have follow-up questions and thanks Oriana for the invitation. <laughs>